weeks ago, I noticed on the doormat when we came home a pile of letters and among them was one that was personally addressed to me and it looked like it was handwritten as well. So my usual fashion, and I've still got it here, I ripped it open and out fell a photograph of a person I didn't recognise. Maybe some of you recognise who he is. And I turned onto the back of the photo and it said, and I read, see it on the screen, here's my photo. We may have the opportunity to meet in person very soon. Nicholas. I had no idea who Nicholas was. So, you'll guess what I did. You get some very strange things when you're a minister. So, I uh, ripped open the envelope and inside you'll never guess what it said. The heading said, the Reader's Digest Association Limited. I know you've not got one, because it's only one in every so many that get these. (laughs) But, you didn't get this, listen. It said, the Prize Awards Distribution Committee, Nicholas Shelley, recipient Mr. P.J. Granger, and here's what it said, it's official, our new £250,000 Grand prize winner is Mr. P.J. Granger. Please inform every department. So for those who think I'm retiring next week, <laughs> you can imagine my response. Wow! Then I read on. That, Mr. Granger, is quite literally what could be announced. <laughs> At Reader's Digest on the 12th of February... 2008, especially if you return all the things inside it and order a free book and goodness knows what. Well, you can imagine my reaction. Sudden elation followed by deflation. Well, I'm exaggerating somewhat as I have received, as maybe you have, many similar communications from the same organisation in the past. Uh, my, My reckoning is that you probably have to die to stop them sending these things and even then I suspect they'll continue ad infinitum. However, it did get me thinking a bit about this time of year. Christmas Day. Expectations, followed by Boxing Day Blues. Of course, we aren't surprised when the children have told us, please buy me this special thing, and if you buy it for me, I'll be so happy, and I'll never ask you for anything else ever again. Any parents heard that? And any parents discovered by Boxing Day or the day afterwards, it's either broken down or they've grown suddenly tired of it and something else looms on the horizon that really will satisfy them. And we smile because we say, well, that's the way children are, you know. But I simply say to you, are we any different as we grow up? Don't the things just get bigger that are going to satisfy us, fulfill us, make us happier than we've ever been before? That better job, that bigger house, that new car, that different family. And with each disappointment, and as you get older, you not begin to wonder whether there is any real lasting joy, any real fulfillment in life, and at Christmas. Well, I want to simply say to you this evening, yes, there is. 
And as we read the account of the birth of Jesus, we discover that there really is good news at Christmas. Good news at Christmas. And that's highlighted in the story that was read to us among the many readings, the story of the shepherds in Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, verses 8 to 20. And I simply want to say two things about it very briefly this evening, about this good news. Stay with me because it really is good news. Lasting news. First of all, it's good news from God. It's the first thing I want to say about it. It's good news from God. These days, with technology, parents often announce the birth of their child within hours. First thing they do is digital camera, take a picture, and then they zip it over to you and you see the baby immediately. Just to prove this, in Charlotte Chapel, it's been a great year for biological church growth. Um, yes, you can all say, ah. Uh, this is Caleb, Tom, you all recognize him, of course, among the many. But his parents do, and he's here as a guest performer. Oh, is he still there? Yes, Ali's holding him at the back there. Uh, born to Ali and Louise on, at 6.38 a.m. on Sunday the 11th of November, weighing in at 7 pounds, 10 ounces. And you'll see him after the service, and you'll see how he's changed already. Now, impressive though this may be, cannot compete with the birth of Jesus. See, the birth of Jesus was announced by an angel. Now, if you don't know the Bible very well, and maybe you come particularly at Christmas time, you may think that this book, the Bible, is just one of those stories that's full of things like angels. The everyday occurrence is an appearance of an angel. But I did a bit of checking up. I was quite surprised myself, having read the Bible many times. I checked in this book, right from the beginning, the story of Abraham, which is about sort of 2,000 and more years before the coming of Christ, up to the coming of Christ. And by my reckoning, angels only appeared to people in that period 15 times. Which means, on average, you see an angel in history according to the Bible, about once every 150 years. And before this particular event and series of events that we call Christmas, the last appearance of an angel, recorded appearance, was 520 years before to a prophet named Zechariah. But now as you read the story here, suddenly angels start to appear to Mary, to Joseph, to a man called Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist. And now, an angel appears to startle shepherds out in the fields at night looking after their sheep. An angel of the Lord, Luke says, appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Something of supreme significance had occurred in human history. Had happened on earth... And the news of it was delegated by God to an angel to make the announcement to these shepherds. Now, people have strange ideas about angels. I've not put a picture on the screen of an angel because basically no one knows what an angel looks like. I was in the bookshop yesterday, in Booker's Bookshop out at the fort, and uh, there was a big, big volume of pictures of angels, you know, in, in art and 
and, and history, how people have pictured them. The reality is nobody knows what they're like. The one thing we do know is that if you see an angel, you don't go, ooh, that's wonderful. Just pause there while I get my digital camera out. No, when you see an angel, the normal reaction is you are absolutely terrified. Scared witless. These shepherds are tough cookies. When they see the angel, they are terrified. Not just because of the angel's appearance, glorious appearance, whatever it was, but at what God is going to do. What, what, what's this angel going to tell us? What will the angel do to us? But rather than being the bearer of good and bad news, the angel assures them that he brings good news. Here's what Luke says again. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. The angel says, I've got good news. It concerns the birth of a baby. A baby is given three titles to describe what he's like and what he's going to do. The angel says, first of all, he's a Savior. Word means what it says. A rescuer. A deliverer. No doubt the shepherds, when they heard this, being familiar with their own history, uh, thought of saviors from the past. Every Jew would think of the greatest one of all, a man called Moses, who led the people of Israel out of slavery in Egypt, who rescued them, led them to a promised land. But this saviour will bring a far greater salvation. As an angel, maybe the same angel, had already informed Joseph betrothed to Mary, the mother of the child. She will give birth to a son, the angel said, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. This child, this is good news, because this child will rescue people from their slavery to sin. The habits that bind and enslave them and every one of us. And will restore them to the relationship with God for which they and we were made. And this is what God had promised many centuries ago through the prophets of old. For the Savior is also called Christ. The word Christ is a Greek word. It simply means anointed. Because in the old days when someone had a special role, they were anointed with oil as a symbol like a king or a priest or sometimes a prophet. The Hebrew word is for the same thing is Messiah. The greatest moment in human history, all of God's promises are now coming to fulfillment. This is a fantastic moment in history. And this baby is not only Saviour and Christ, but he is Lord. That is, he is Lord of all, a word reserved for God himself. The amazing news is, the good news is, that God has come to earth in human flesh, which is why he's also called Emmanuel, which means God with us. And this good news, the New Testament has a, has a word for it. It's the word gospel, which simply means good news. And the Christian faith is all about good news in a world of bad news. And I simply say to you, the greatest good news of all is the good news about Jesus. Not only his birth, but his life tested in every way as we are, yet never failed to keep God's standards. His death on a cross bearing the wrong things we've done to save us, his resurrection from the grave, offering life and hope even when you die, you live, and his return again to earth, Lord of all. 
No wonder then that as the angel announces this fantastic news, something even more remarkable happens that, as far as I know, never happened before or since. A great choir, the heavenly host, the armies of angels, suddenly flood the skies and begin to sing in a loud voice. The only appropriate response. Luke says, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favour rests. Good news from God. Now, this story is so familiar that you can become kind of blasé about it. Many of you know the carols by heart. Although I discovered the other day on the radio that most people don't. Give them the first line, they can't get the second. But if you're from an older generation, you know about the story. And yet you can lose the significance of what it really means. We can become casual about this good news because we think other things are better news, frankly. Listen, all the greatest presents in the world will never compensate for this great good news that is so relevant to us today. Now you may say, well, what's the relevance to me? Well, here's the second thing I want to say about this good news. It's good news from God and it's good news for everyone. Notice again what Luke tells us the angel said first of all. But the, and, and just interestingly, Luke, who's a very careful historian who wrote this, I, I wonder if he sought these shepherds out and, and wrote it, well, he must have written it verbatim. He must have found out what they actually said. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Why were the shepherds terrified? Well, they were terrified because that was a normal reaction when you saw an angel. But they were terrified not only because of who the angel was, but because of who they were. There's been quite a lot of research done on the status of shepherds at this time. It's not absolutely 100% sure, uh, but most people believe that at the, in the first century when this happened, all those years ago at the time of the birth of Jesus, that shepherds had a pretty bad press. Uh, they were people who, because of their occupation, couldn't get to worship in the synagogue on Sabbath days. They were people who were uh, noticed for being a bit light-fingered. You know, you didn't leave things around. There's that lovely carol by Christina Rossetti, you know. What shall I give him poor as I am? If I was shepherd, I would bring a lamb. Well, the reality is, if I was shepherd, I'd probably steal a lamb. Uh, and certainly sometime later than this, uh, shepherds were not technically allowed to give evidence in court because their testimony was regarded as unreliable. Now, regardless of that, their status in society, and it was a very strictly ordered society in those days, their status for shepherds was right down the bottom of the pile. Lowest class. Such that they were the last people anyone would expect to be the first people to receive the greatest good news in human history. Maybe the angels have got their flight coordinates wrong and they've arrived at the wrong place. But no, there's no mistake. You see, the angel has been instructed to go and give this good news to this specific group of people, these shepherds out in the fields watching over their flocks at night. To tell them about this one who is the Saviour, Christ and Lord. So, why did God tell the angel to go to shepherds first of all? Well, let me put it very simply. If it's good news for shepherds, it's good news for anyone. In fact, it's good news for everyone. And it's good news for you. You may think, well, Christmas is for and church. You know, I feel a bit embarrassed being here, looking around all these folk. If you don't know them, they come to church. You know, they all look nice people. And really, if they knew what I was like, well, 
Mm. No, it's good news for bad people. People who are undeserving. You might think, well, I don't qualify. I simply say, yes, you do. See, Jesus himself said, I've come not to, not to save people who think they're good enough. I've come to save sinners, people who know they're not good enough. That's the good news. And the shepherds are told, the angel says, it's not just good news for them, or just for all shepherds, it's good news for all the people. Now, when he said this, he meant all the people of Israel, including shepherds. But beyond this, it came to be good news for all peoples. Most people don't read on what follows in Luke's Gospel after the story of the shepherds, but the next event that's recorded was... When Jesus was eight days old, his parents took him to the temple, as was the tradition in Jerusalem, to give thanks to God for him. And there was an elderly priest who had been waiting all of his life for this one promised moment when God would send his promised Saviour. And he took the baby up in his arms and he said, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you've prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, that's the non-Jews, and for glory to your people Israel. Gentiles as well as Jews. The saviour of the world as well as the saviour of Israel. No matter where you come from, no matter what your reputation, Christmas is good news for you. If you come on... Christmas morning we have a tradition that we put some maps up on the world and we find out where all the people usually we fill the bottom half of the church we find out what countries people come from we've, ha- we've had uh, up to 35, 40 sometimes sometimes it's lower, 20, 25 but even in a church like this there are people from all different backgrounds different countries, different parts of the world see it's good news for everybody, for all peoples no matter where you come from, no matter who you are but it's only good news if you receive the good news, if you respond to the good news. So notice as I conclude, two things that the shepherds did, which we must do. The first thing they did was to go and see. Did you notice that in the story? When the angels had left them, the shepherds didn't return to their sheep and say, wow, that was an amazing experience. Wow, those angels were amazing. No, they decided to check out what the angel had told them. When the angels had left them, Luke writes, and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And following the directions they'd been given, they found out that what they'd been told was true, from personal experience. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. If you're to discover the good news about Jesus, you need to check it out for yourself. Not just about the birth of Jesus, but his life and teaching, his death and resurrection. In fact, there are four accounts of this, which we call four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. We've been reading from Luke's account. They're Gospels, good news. And I simply encourage you, if you want to spend some profitable time at Christmas, instead of just watching repeats of old films and other things, uh, take one of the Gospels. And just read the story for yourself with an open mind. Ask God to show you this truth of the good news of Jesus Christ. You'll discover that contrary to what people have said, that these accounts bear scrutiny. They've been more examined than any other piece of literature and for 2,000 years and they still stand the test of time and truth. 
or one out of ten. We run a special course in this church twice a year when you can find out without any pressure, you can find out about the Christian faith. We call it Christianity Explored. There's a new course starting in January. You'll find there are people in this church who came to this course who had no understanding or little understanding of the Christian faith and came to faith in these past years through attending this course. So, come along, bring a friend. It's a non-threatening course, an opportunity for you to ask questions. What a great way to start 2008. If you prove from personal experience the good news of Jesus. And when you do, then you'll want to do a second thing, which the shepherds did. Not only to go and see, but secondly, to go and tell. Here's how the story finishes. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. They shared the good news. The Bible has a word for it. It's the word evangelize, which sounds kind of a bit corny, but evangelize means to tell good news, to share good news. Not only personal experience, but personal witness. If you don't know, next year in Charlotte Chapel is going to be our 200th anniversary. And we're going to focus our verse for the year. We have a verse every year that we focus on. Our verse for the year is the promise which Jesus made and the command he gave to all of his followers who'd experienced the good news. This is what he said before he returned to heaven. This will be our verse for the year, Acts 1 verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, many of you say, well, I already know about the good news. Who have you told about the good news? Maybe there's someone you should have invited along this evening to come and hear the good news. Better place than a carol service. Invite someone to Christianity Explored. Maybe you've never taken the trouble to go and see. Because when you do, you'll want to go and tell other people about it. There can be no personal witness without personal experience. But personal experience should lead to personal witness about Jesus, what he's done for you. This really is my conclusion at this point. But I was thinking, when I chose that opening illustration about you know, the letter I got from these times, did anybody else get one, by the way? No, I thought not, no. You're going to put your hands up. Right, yes, okay. Right. I just thought to myself, the only embarrassing thing was to thought, what would happen if I actually did win it? <laughs> you know, if I really did get the letter saying, it's official. Our uh, £250,000 grand prize winner is Mr. P.J. Granger. Please inform every department. And there was nothing added. Would it make me happy? Well, I have to be honest and say it wouldn't make me sad. But there's more to life than happiness. You see, as the word itself, you explore the word happiness, happiness depends on what happens. None of us know what will happen in 2008, whether you win £250,000 or lose something. Health, family, life, whatever it may be. So perhaps if we're being a bit pedantic, which don't need to be really... Is it not a contradiction in terms to wish someone a happy Christmas? For Christmas is about what has already happened. God sending his son into the world. Good news of Christmas. Perhaps a better wish would be, although it doesn't have the same kind of ring. Sounds a bit quaint, but to wish people a joyful Christmas. For the news that the angels brought to the shepherds 
has happened and nothing can change it. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. I hope you will know great joy, lasting joy, as you celebrate the good news of Jesus this Christmas. A joy that will extend not only in this life, but for all eternity. Let's just bow in a prayer and we'll sing a final.